eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Partner right now. Bam. Hey, <laughs> welcome to the live stream. Uh, Landing. Florida State line landed Keon Coleman out of Michigan State. Big time wide receiver transfer. Brendan, you're the you're the transfer expert. Uh, hey, National two four seven brought you on to be a consultant for a while there, so clearly you know what you're talking about. Tell me about. Young Coleman. Why is this guy so sought after? Because he's really good. That's yeah. my analysis. Uh, <laughs> Young Coleman, Coleman is six foot four, 215 pounds. As a sophomore, he had nearly 800 receiving yards, seven touchdowns, led Michigan State in pretty much every single receiving category. For an offense that had a wide receiver drafted in the second round with Jalen Reed, so he was the better of the two wide receivers. And the quarterback at Michigan State was pretty dreadful as well. So he had really good production without uh, an ideal quarterback situation. Has optimal uh, measurables when you talk about size. And he's a former basketball player. Actually, what, like was a scholarship basketball player at Michigan State as well. There's a ton of tools. Uh, he's a top 25 prospect in the transfer portal for a reason. I think he's like the fourth wide receiver, but... There's not, yeah. not a whole lot of separating. He could make the argument that he could have been the best wide receiver in the transfer portal. Certainly the best player who was available at this stage in the process. So, yeah, FSU hit a home run with, with getting Keon Coleman beating out uh, the former portal king, Lane Kiffin in Ole Miss, uh, crowned Mike Marvell. I think this salutes him for this cycle as the portal king. So, uh, oh, he was a sack. Stop counting his blinks. Get out of here, Zach. Stop doing it. I'm counting them. I I like this kid's game. Game. I I think he was underrated in the transfer portal. I think he's better than the fourth best. Um, I've been kind of on record saying that I thought he was he was maybe a top ten, top fifteen receiver in the in the country. Um, and I I think AB would agree with me. Do you do you, do you agree with that assessment, AB? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you like about his game? It's just complete. Uh, he can run. The entire route tree, he's got the speed to run a nine. He's got the speed to run a post. He's got the physical physicality to uh, body DBs, get off of press. Um, he can block, obviously, because he's a big physical player. He can win the jump ball. He can win 50-50 balls, uh, back shoulder type stuff. And we're going to look at his heat map here in a little bit. I mean, it's insane. The entire sidelines just lit up because he's just a complete player. I don't think he's been asked to do a ton over the middle of the uh, – <laughs> hasn't been to win a ton in the middle of the field. So I think that that's something that will continue to come along as um, maybe Mike Norvell tries to run some high-low stuff uh, with with some post-dig action. Um, and we see uh, Coleman work in the middle of the field a little bit with Johnny on some posts. Uh, so that's an area of his game where I think maybe they can unlock it a little bit. But – he just is, he's he's rounded. He he's a he's a complete package. I'm gonna say something that maybe some people are gonna think is a bad take. I think he's better than Johnny. <laughs> I don't think that matters because they're both on the same damn team. And woohoo, let's go. They're gonna make each other better, but yeah. I think he, he he might be more complete than than Johnny Wilson. Yeah. I think that's a fair statement. I think Johnny's more of a mismatch machine than than. Keon Coleman is I, I agree with you that he's probably the better top to bottom receiver like if you're looking at a Madden ranking he would be higher than than Johnny would be but um Johnny's just an interesting tool in your in your toolkit right like right. he's a six seven receiver he's a matchup nightmare so it's like they're different strokes for different folks hey, good good show. Show. 
we're we're talking right ratings. I, I've got to ask Brendan, the the expert NCAA mod player that he cool. is. If you had to rank Keon Coleman, what would his ranking be? Ninety-two, off the top of my head. Ninety-two. Isn't he, isn't he a ninety-four on? I think I think he's a ninety-three. Uh, the oh, twenty-four-seven okay. sports rankings, but we don't. I guess I've never thought of it of like just being a straight <laughs> video game top thing. That that kind of makes sense if you think about it that way. Ah, I like that, AB. Ooh, yeah. Why we're out here? We need to we need to alert uh, EA Sports that the two-four-seven rankings need to be purely translated one-to-one to the video game when it comes out. <laughs> I just hope they don't mess up the dynasty mode, guys. That's all I'm here for. Give me some NIL, baby. All right. So (laughs) we're here because we did a scouting report. It's up on Knowles 24-7. It's up on X's and Knowles YouTube channel. Brendan did a scouting report also. Same type of deal. He took a little bit of a different slant with it of kind of what we're going to talk about tonight with how Keon Coleman impacts the offense. Um. There's obviously tons of coverage on Knowles 24-7. I will ask everybody, if you are not subscribed, get over there and subscribe. If you are subscribed, make sure you get over there and click on everything and read all the amazing coverage that is out about him. But we're here tonight because we want to do kind of what we do. We're not going to use film. We figured we kind of did film already. But we do want to talk about how does Keon Coleman change things? Um, that That's really what it boils down to. We're going to take a look at some of his uh, data here early. I want to say data, but I, I know people are going to get mad at me because that's not how you say it. it's data. I say data. You say data, really? Yeah, I think so. Data. Yeah, I feel like I say data. I don't know. Uh, I might be so. We're, we're going to take a look at. We're going to take a look at kind of his analytical side, the analytical side of Keon Coleman, and then we're going to get the blackboard out and we're going to talk about just what it all is going to look like, what we think it's going to look like when he's plugged into this offense. So. Kev, you've got some fancy stuff. Brendan, I know you've got some fun fun stats also. Let's get into that. Let's talk about that and then go from there. Yeah, so um, I'm going to pull up my little chart here. Um, heat maps? Yeah, so I, I made the little heat maps. I'll, I'll try to make it bigger here. Oh, Actually, I don't know if that's very helpful. but So these make are the heat maps. Um, these are the heat maps of all of the different kind of relevant players, I think, to the passing game and kind of who I who I want to compare different people to. Up top, you have um, the kind of relative passing rates, the, the relative um, the relative rates that in Norvell's offense that he uses. So, yeah, you can't really see it super well here. Um, there you go. So I'm going to zoom in. Uh, you can see what we talked about earlier. He's the eighth highest coach in terms of wheel routes that's not super relevant to keon coleman today uh what we'll see a lot is screens he uses a lot of them um a decent amount of posts uh the 22nd highest post rate in the country um he runs a good amount of go routes but so does everybody else um but he doesn't run quite as many things over the middle of the field like ends or slants but you'll see kind of some of those popping up so the first kind of comparison I wanted to make, um, well, first, I think we should look at Jordan Travis. This is the overall route. You see that, you know, um, I don't think Norvell's passing tree is terribly complicated. I think it's mm-hmm. pretty straightforward. You see a lot of go routes down the sideline. You see a lot of, um, like, if you're looking at Jordan Travis's uh, chart here, you see a lot of kind of slants and, and kind of digs over the middle of the field. Um, and then you see a lot of work in the kind of screen area. So if you look at the, yeah. the bottom of the screen is the line of scrimmage. So you, you see that they work a lot of screens, a lot of goes, a lot of slants, and that's kind of reflected as well in the the stats shown above. They work off they work off vertical nature on out wide, and then they work off of run game action on on the on that middle stuff. Um, you know RPOs, some of the some of the screen game stuff, and then you see some of the stuff right down the seams there. That's Passes to the tight end. Um, yep. You think Cam when they ran some of the empty stuff against LSU last year, yep. Cam McDonald sitting down in, in the void. Um, they like to do a lot of that stuff, but they are going to build their passing game off of verticals, right? I mean, that's kind of what they've been um, so far. Yeah, and you see with Johnny Wilson, um, 
they work down the sideline with him a lot. So you see these all these this red towards the yeah. sideline and kind of intermediate towards the middle of the field. So Johnny's a true deep threat. Um, he's he's that guy that's going to be they're going to ask to run downfield. You can see that a lot of their routes have kind of were probably verticals that were were probably back shoulder because they're not mm-hmm. terribly downfield. You can see that they're probably in the 15 to 20 yard range. Um, so I think it's going to be natural to th- want to compare Johnny Wilson to, um, to, to Keon Coleman, because, you know, they're both big bodied receivers They're both go and get it vertical threats. But I think Keon Coleman actually compares pretty favorably to another receiver. Who is that AB? Mm, <laughs> Tell pokey. me about it. Oh, pokey. And I, you know, I listened to the latest on the bench podcast oh, and he didn't get mentioned. And I kicked something. I'm going to be completely honest. I did. I kicked something because how the hell does this man continue to get disrespected in the way that he has been disrespected all these years? Oh my God. You know what? So uh, I'm not going to address that. (laughs) Uh, But but I will talk about Pokey Wilson real quick for you, AB. I think if you took the Pokey Wilson and Johnny Wilson heat maps there and combined Mm -hmm. them, it probably looks a lot like Keon Coleman's. Which speaks to the complete. The aspect that we've, earlier, talk, that we've talked about with his game. That, that's kind of what he is. It, it's, I just, I, I'm looking at this and I'm, I'm just amazed. Like, you're right. You put Pokey, you put Antonio Gibson, you put Johnny Wilson's together, and it's like, there, there's Keon Coleman. But if I wish we could overlay Keon Coleman and Jordan Travis because they're basically a spitting image, spitting image of each other, right? I mean, it, except for some of the shots in the middle of the field. Some of those posts, which is crazy because, I mean, Pokey's got a bunch of posts on his that aren't on Jordan's. Heat yeah, so I, it's it's only showing like the really high volume areas. Oh, so okay. if there's only like three or four completions, it probably won't show up for JT. Gotcha. Otherwise, it's just all covered. <laughs> but it's, it's wild to look at, at, at Coleman's um, heat map because he really is a complete wide receiver. Like, I think when push comes to shove by year's end, like, People are going to be talking about him as one of the better wide receivers coming out. Yeah, I, I have a buddy who who covers NFL uh, stuff and, and gets into the pretty into the weeds with the draft stuff. And uh, long story short, is he he thinks Keon Coleman's like a legitimate top tier NFL wide receiver. Like he 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 could be. Yeah, I, I agree. Ole Miss was selling him as um. Oh God, who's the kid who just went? Uh, uh, yeah, they were doing the whole uh, AJ Brown. They were trying to do that whole trifecta, which is wild. But um, Mingo was it? Mingo? Yeah, yeah, he went the second round. Yeah, yeah but that's kind of like that's kind of probably what you're looking at, Keon Coleman, from a, a size standpoint, a usage standpoint, and probably what his upside is is like a, a mid to early like second round prospect if things go well for him this year. I think that's what his camp's thinking as well. Depending on what he runs, I mean, if he busts off a a four four, I mean. Well, suddenly you're looking at a, at a first round type of talent if if he were, were to throw a four four down like i mean that's yeah but that's the difference between first round receivers and second round third round guys um, but i think we, we can have a reasonable conversation right now yeah i think so on the that's not far-fetched to think that fsu yeah. is going to have two day two wide receivers drafted which remember where the wide receiver room was <laughs> two years ago like this uh, there's a reason why everyone who covers this team right now is giddy and, and smiling because you know you're going to be covering something potentially really fun with, with yeah. what they have yeah. on offense. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's I, a, they've, they've changed the game completely for themselves by landing him. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I, I think we naturally kind of agree that Johnny's still probably going to be that like deep threat, that guy that you have to take kind of the top off the defense. He's probably a little bit more one-dimensional than Keon Coleman. Um, but yeah, I mean, I see Keon Coleman getting those deep post routes that Pokey got last year. So think of the deep bomb in the Miami game or the trick play in the LSU game. I think those are going to Keon Coleman this year instead of Pokey Wilson. So here's my question to you. Does... Is Johnny going to take a dip? Because, I mean, I guess there's going to be a natural aspect to Johnny taking a dip here. But it, 
does Johnny's game change now with Coleman in the offense? Like, how how does this impact Johnny? That's that's kind of, I guess, what I'm asking in a weird way. But how is this going to impact Johnny? Because Johnny's a throw it up in the red zone. Coleman's a throw it up in the red zone. Johnny's a back shoulder fade, um, you know, throw it up down the sideline kind of guy with, with some with some slants and some some RPO uh, post stuff mixed in. Coleman's kind of an all around guy. I, I'm curious what like what do you guys think? How does this impact? Johnny's game. So, uh, Brendan, I, I would ask first, how did Johnny's game improve through the spring? Yeah. And then wh- where do you think he's growing? And what do you think Coleman kind of – how do you think Coleman's game kind of shapes where Johnny goes it, as far as usage? So, Johnny did show a lot of signs of becoming a more well-rounded receiver in the spring. I saw him route running seemed a lot more comfortable, more fluid. Uh, quicker feet. I'm not sure if that's just a matter of him getting more agile and strength training, that kind of stuff, or mm-hmm. if him just being more confident and what he can do. Regardless, I thought we saw him work more towards the middle of the field and, and really, frankly, like just everywhere. Like he wasn't just that deep threat or, or you know, fade pattern, uh, back shoulder fade type of guy that we saw last spring and sure. at a higher level this past year. So uh, Johnny Wilson improving and becoming a more well-rounded wide receiver is like the expectation moving forward this season. I would yeah. contend that he may have been like one of the most improved players uh, of the of the spring just from what we saw last year. And you already had a really high bar. Uh, I know we're going to get into this a little bit, mm-hmm. but with Johnny Wilson, like uh, teams started to cover him very differently after mm-hmm. that Louisville game. I remember mm-hmm. how Atkins talking about that specifically. I know you guys have diagrammed that and talked about that with a lot more bracket coverage or or just uh, people shading, safety shading to them yeah. a little bit. That's yeah. when we talk about like what, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on this because uh, will Johnny Wilson get as much usage and volume as a wide receiver? I don't know. I mean, his yard per catch isn't going to go up a ton more. He's already averaging 20 points something. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but what he did, which is, I think, most among any returning wide receiver uh, in yeah. Power Five. So like, <laughs> it's going to be tough to beat that. Um, efficiency wise, but what I think we can see is uh, him not have to work as as hard. Get yeah to get yeah. it, and, and you can get more layups and just more efficiency. And and when you do get him the ball, uh, you're gonna know you're gonna get those twenty yards per catch. But it, it's gonna be easier. Um, so I don't know if usage is gonna go down, but but I imagine like this is what we're gonna talk about, right? It's like you yeah, know, yeah. gonna have to pick their poison with with those two guys if you use them at the same time, which I, I imagine we'll we'll see them both on the field a lot. At the same mm-hmm. so, yeah. So in my in my mind, they're kind of different players. Um, here's so here's Johnny Wilson's stats. He got almost all of his yards off goes and post routes. So he takes those go routes and he converts them into yards. So I think in a true sense, he's a take the top off the defense kind of player. He is going to go downfield, and as well as anybody in the country, I mean. 40 scrimmage yards per play on go routes on targeted go routes this year. That's, that's insane. That means every time you threw a go, go route to Johnny Wilson, you average 40 yards. Keon Coleman's <laughs> a lot different. I mean, crazy. He, he got a lot of hitch routes, a lot of ends, a lot of wide receiver screens. You can see there's more of a focus on getting him the ball in his hands early. I think mm-hmm. we can't discount him as a go route player. Cause he still got 29 yards per, target on goes but i don't think he quite excels in just dominating a corner in a go route downfield in a way that johnny does but i do think he's the kind of guy that you get the ball in his hands more often on these hitches and ends and screens and that i don't don't know that's why i almost think and we're going to get the blackboard up here in a little bit and talk about it but that's where I almost think Johnny's going to take more of that pokey role than Keon is. Um, How so? I, 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 especially with his length. Johnny wins with that length so well in those deep balls. That's what that's what's kind of wild about him. It's not elite speed. It's not that he pulls away from people. He does have very good speed for a dude his size, and his strides are ridiculous. But I almost think Coleman's going to be the guy doing more of the dirty work in the middle of the field um, like they sold with an A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown's best route, he plays for the Eagles now, his best route when he was at Tennessee and with Philly this year was on the dig route. And that's it, that, that is his specialty. 
Um, using that big physical body, getting corners on his back hip, and using his explosive to, to pull away. Um, I think that that's an area where Coleman is going to be successful in, a where, in an area where I think Florida State's going to try to get him utilize, or utilize him more is uh, opening up that space in the middle of the field with Johnny taking the top off and using that, uh, that length down the field. Because, again, and we're going to talk about it, that teams are going to have to play with two safeties. They can't put, they can't roll safety down the box. Um, so that, that becomes the next question is like, and I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm trying to get each question out. Like how much of this offense is going to be based around the run game? Does it become focused on the passing game moving forward as opposed to the running game, which they've been very run centric with everything that they do. Thinking about the RPOs, play action stuff. I mean, so many, so many of their successful plays have been off of play action or some sort of run action. Does that go away? Are we now a, are we now a throw it forty times a game, run it twenty times a game type of team, uh, which is more of a modern offense? Um, the the possibilities are just freaking endless. Maybe I mean, that's the reality. Mike Norvell is a Libra. He's born on October 11th. That oh my means gosh, get up. Balance. That means he is going to be balanced in every aspect of get life. He will attempt to be. So he will maintain. I know Mr. Air Raid in the top right corner wants it. <laughs> He's just throwing it 50 times a game. There might be some weeks where you do that. I think the beauty of what we're going to see, and I know Kev's going to start diagramming this. That's what we're all here for, is that Florida State is going to be able to do whatever the defense dictates right? The defense is going to have to cheat towards something to take it away. If you want to keep two safeties up top consistently, Trey Benson, Rodney Hill, Lawrence Toafili, Jordan Travis, the run game, Jaheim Bell, whoever is touching the ball in the backfield uh, is going to have a lighter box more Mm -hmm. often. If you want to start cheating someone down a little bit, you have two of the best deep threats in the country in Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman. Um, and then you have Jaheim Bell working the slot, and then you have Winston Wright coming back from injury, and you have Lawrence Toafili doing wheel routes. And uh, pick your poison. I, I wrote about this like when mm-hmm. when Keon Coleman was being recruited. Like if you get him, dream big because you now have the answers for everything that a defense throws at you. And I think even dare I say like elite defenses mm-hmm. that you'll face. Uh, you should be able to score consistently on them or at least have opportunities to score a lot because you'll have answers consistently. All right. Well, let's get the let's get the chalkboard up here, Kevin. Unless you got any more fancy schmancy stats and charts or whatnot. Nah, the chalkboard's as fancy as we need to be. Okay. All right. I want to ask this question first to Brennan because I heard him address it on on the um instant. Are there too many mouths to feed? So <laughs> Yeah, people even in the chat are asking, like, oh, what's going to happen to Kendron Portier? Like, mm-hmm. what's going to happen to Darion Williamson? Like, uh, yeah. you can only play so many at once, and you want to get guys into rhythm. I think that's what I worry about. Like, I, I, you're going to be able to win a lot of games by a lot of points this year. Guys are going to be able mm-hmm. to play a, a decent amount. I think it's about creating a rhythm. I think that's when I ask, like, if it's going to be too many mouths to feed, are you going to be able to – like, is Jordan Travis going to be overthinking things at any point right. and trying to keep everyone happy? Or are you just going to be able to just do whatever the the play dictates? Uh, ultimately, like if you're winning games, all that stuff kind of doesn't seem to matter as much. Guys are totally fine. Like, Sidney Williams transferred at the end of the season, but during the season he was willing to move to linebacker. He was busting mm-hmm. on special teams. He was one of the first guys uh, off the sideline to celebrate. So if you're winning, like you're fine with your role, even if it's not substantial. So yep. uh, I know it's a long-winded que- or answer to the question, but – I don't think it matters a ton as long as you're winning and as long as the quarterback is confident and the offensive coordinator can get the quarterback in a rhythm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good point. So so we'll, before we get into too much into the, the chalkboard, because this will dictate kind of how I determine these numbers, I think we should all come to a consensus. What is, what is FSU's base offense going to look like? What's the base formation do you think they're going to run with this year? I would say you need to put a tight end on the line scrimmage. Okay. I'm working on it. Yeah. Yeah. They, they will. Uh, I don't yeah, I think there's going to be, a, there's going to be an, in, there's going to be an inline tight end. All right. Tight end on the line of scrimmage. 
Uh, I'd bring that backside flex down in there some. I mean, you know, they like to do that. And then essentially, essentially that. All right. So who do you think is going to be this inline? Morlock or Biscuit. Morlock. I think, I think Biscuit starts out there, to be honest with you. Right? I mean, you, you want a blocking tight end. They're going to want a tight end in there. Yeah. I, I imagine Biscuit's going to get a lot of... A lot of reps as your best blocking tight end. I think the three tight ends will have pretty comparable snap counts mm-hmm. by the end of the season within a hundred or so of, of each other. So then these other two. So we, we probably have Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman, Jaheim Bell, maybe Jaheim Bell or Winston Wright, depending on what you're trying to do yep. you know, that, that series. Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna work with these numbers. I'm gonna start with him out wide yeah, first. Fine. Yeah, sure. Sure. Um, cause I'll, I'll go to a reduced split. Cause I think there's some fun things you can do there. All right. Let's, let's assume we man up everywhere. So, uh, that, that implies we got man, 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 man across the board. Right. And that's because as Brendan wrote, Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson were how good against zone coverage. Oh, they, they were, they were zone beaters. Oh, let's see. I got it in front of me here. Uh, so Keon Coleman was very good against zone coverage, especially deep routes. We're talking about them being able to, to break a, a deep shell. Uh, mm-hmm. Coleman on deep routes had 528 receiving yards out of his 798 uh, against zone coverage, and his average air yards per target was 12.85 yards, <laughs> uh, which was in the 78th percentile, which, which is very good. Uh, yeah. Johnny Wilson, uh, his yards per catch versus zone coverage was in the 98th percentile nationally at 20.8 yards per catch. And his air yards per target for zone coverage was 16.75, which was in the 97th percentile. So, uh, oh, and uh, if we get into it, just because I have in front of me here too, good luck pressing those guys. Uh, Coleman had 403 mm-hmm. receiving yards versus press coverage. That was eighth nationally. Johnny Wilson was 11th at 384 yards versus press coverage. So. Yeah. And Coleman and Coleman was legitimately beating like first round day one talents in the that went in the NFL draft With, this year. Again, uh, just a quarterback that was not very yeah, good. Was not very good. What I will not accept Peyton Thorne slander. So okay, we got man across the board. The reason okay, I think briefly the reason why zone's not going to work very well is it ensures that you're going to get man coverage. So there's, there's no zone that I know of where you're going to like, if this is cover three, you basically have man on man on the outside. It turns into man. Yeah, no. It turns into man. If it's cover four, it turns into man. So you're going to automatically, if you go zone, you're going to run into this issue. The same issue I'm about to talk about. So basically the issue is if you stay man and you keep one safety over the top, right? Well, Mm -hmm. now, now I've got man coverage across the board. Um, If say you have a good corner, I doubt you have your number two corner can match up with Johnny Wilson or Keon Coleman man on with no help. Um, That's just not going to happen. Right? So if we're man across the board, you're going to want to have two safeties. So that means that it's going to look more like this. So we'll probably see a fair amount of cover two man if teams are trying to stop the pass. Hmm. Right? That's That way you can cap Keon Coleman and Jaheim Bell on some level, and you can cap Johnny Wilson. So that that's that's got to be your answer to to this defense if you're trying to, trying to stop the pass. What, what does that mean you're giving up? Kev. Well, essentially that means that now I have a hat on a hat inside of the box, right? With two safeties back, that means that now every offensive lineman has one person to block on the defense. And that means that there is no one to account for the ball ball carrier. Um, what makes this especially effective is you can also do this thing where you can get double teams, um, and essentially leave one man unblocked because you have two ball carriers in mm-hmm. Jordan Travis and Trey Benson or whoever the running back is. So essentially the defense is actually a whole is a whole one to two men down in the box. If you choose to cap these receivers, there's, 
there's no way around it. If if you're you either have to leave yourself in man coverage on the outside with both Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson, or you're gonna be a whole man down in the run game. Um and what what makes this interesting is what what but AB was talking about earlier is you can kind of bunch these receivers in here and now you have oh, take it off the line. It's a legal formation. Oh, yeah, it's, um, sorry. Uh, but now you have like, you know, biscuit six, three, Jaheim bell. You have six, seven, Johnny Wilson. You have six, three Keon Coleman. And you basically, if the defense refuses to change who these corners are, you're going to have a 6-3 to 6-7 guy out here who can essentially buy you the edge on, on outside zones if you if you can't afford to put in a bigger body. Because if you do put in a bigger body at cornerback, now they also have to defend Keon Coleman or Johnny Wilson downfield, which, again, is a recipe for disaster. So... I, th- to me, there's just there's no way to really win here as a defense. Yeah, I, I think the game plan, if you're a defensive coordinator, and I'd love to hear both of your thoughts, is you, you've got a bank that you can get a bust against this offensive line, which I think is going to be better. I don't, I'm still not sure how much better it's going to be. Um, I do think it's going to be better. I think Byers is going to come along and at some point and show all of his potential and play up to his potential um, as he learns the offense. But Roddick looked, eh, um, you know, Rob Scott was, Rob Scott's a player that's, you know, always kind of dealing with something and working hard. And, um, you know, bless Harris, we did an entire video on how much I freaking, I loved him like Chris Harris, like Chris Knee loves him, some Jeremiah Byers. Uh, hopefully not to that extent. <laughs> but, you know, it's got to go out there and get proven. I mean, but the reality is we're talking about a two-game season, kind of for the most part. Um, it's going to be, what's LSU going to do against you? What's Clemson going to do against you? I mean, those are the two games that we're really kind of talking about here. Um, you know, so LSU, what were they last year, Kev? I mean, they were... They played a lot of two. They played a lot of two shell, didn't they? And just kind of rushed with four. LSU. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. yeah. They they played. I mean, they're a cover three team. They played a lot of just kind of soft zone, um, and they were trying to just catch in the run game. And uh, FSU took them over the top a couple times early. I don't really know what they switched to in the second half off the top of my head, but well, we know Pokey hit them on the one, right. Um, Run game was successful. Jordan had a couple runs that were successful. I'm trying to think of the other touchdowns in that game. I was there. Were there was the the deep touchdown to to Pokey, uh, where with the targeting call. Then there was yep. the um, trick play touchdown to Pokey. Yeah. Um, and then I think he had one more touchdown or two more touchdowns. So if a team put put the blackboard back up there, so if deep, a team yeah, Lundy if, touchdown that, that game. yeah yeah the, yeah. If LSU wants to run cover three, what's that going to look like? Because again, right. this is game one. Beating LSU and beating Clemson are the are the two games that we are going to spend most of our focus on this offseason. Um, for, for what it's worth, LSU did lose four defenders who were drafted. Now they'll still be very good on defense. But yeah, they're going to have Mason Smith back, obviously, on the interior. Their D line's always going to be going to be pretty good. Harold Perkins might be one of the better players in the country. Mm-hmm. We'll see if he can follow up his his uh, Mason Smith's gonna year. give problems if he's hundred percent. Like he's yeah. coming off, he'll be a year removed, almost exactly from from what was right. ACL. So yeah, we'll see what he looks like first game back. But I figure he should be pretty good. Yeah, and I don't know any. Of the, I, I can't say that I can sit here and name anybody else on that defensive line for them uh, that'll be playing. But we know that they're secondary was one that got some negative press from the spring. Um, and they've been taking a lot of transfers. Denver Harris, they just landed a safety. Uh, so they are they do seem somewhat desperate to rebuild that secondary. So if they're going to run a lot of cover three. All right, so Kev's got it drawn up there. Uh, you've got Coleman, 
if they first off they're going to run a, co- a lot of cover three, you're going to throw the football, right? Yeah, I mean that's that's a natural. Yeah, and you're going to throw verticals, right? I mean that's yep. kind of what you want to do. Hit them here. So split that safety really. Again, it just it just plays to the strengths. Now, Harold Perkins is an elite athlete, but if you're going to have him trying to cover down the field, your yeah. run game's got to win you football. Your, your run game's got to go win you the football game, right? I mean, if if you're going to be bailing, you're going to be loose. You've got to be able to run the football, and then when they come up and they want to start being physical and aggressive against you, then you throw it to your studs on the outside. There just are so many answers to anything that these teams are going to want to do to you. I wish maybe maybe this is something we can do later. Pull up some old some Alabama when they had Jerry Judy, they had um, uh, Riggs, that group, and see how teams tried to. Not that I'm comparing this wide receiver core to that one. Those are all day one guys, but get a sense of what teams try to do to defend that offense and try to get an idea of what we might see. Because I think LSU played them that year, obviously. It's an entirely different staff, but teams are always going to look and try to find uh, different ideas. So it might be something for us to do uh, in the offseason. Yeah. I mean, it, it honestly really depends on the strength of the defense, right? So right. I think LSU is going to try to trust their front line. And so they're going to try to play with two safeties back or and try to really protect their secondary. I mean, I think that's what Clemson's going to do. They're going to trust their defensive line. It's what they've always done. And if they, if they truly had one guy that could kind of get in the backfield and kind of disrupt things, then that is the potential weakness that FSU has. Um, the only problem with that is I think that you'll be able to bring in tight ends when you need to, to help double down on elite defensive ends. If, if they're giving you problems, um, and they're going to figure out ways to get, get kind of angles in the running game. And so I think really what this does is you saw NC state and I'm going to break down the NC state game in depth. Cause I'm that, that game is so fascinating to me in the NC state game. Really part of the reasons you lost was Johnny Wilson had a bad game and you didn't have that guy that can, that could win when they, when they decided to be aggressive and stack the box. And now the, it's just the chances that both Coleman and Wilson are having bad games at the same time is, is really low. That's why I love the addition of Coleman so much. Yeah. You know, in the chat, I've asked about like the expectations, what this does for the season. Um, it, I think it raises your ceiling demonstrably. Like you, you can you can envision getting to the playoffs, which I think you could have anyways. Like that was a realistic possibility. I want to say it was mm-hmm. likely, but but reasonably so. Like that was a chance. Now I think you can see yourself winning a playoff game because you are going to have the firepower to to keep up with teams nationally and if you bring your a game on offense if you're clean uh and if your defense is playing well at that point in the season but what would i like so much about the coleman take uh in regards to what what kev was just saying is like there's this insurance policy that you're you're taking out with him yeah and, and that's an insurance policy to make sure if something were to happen to one of your skill players like that's another guy that you add to the mix uh, that's one more uh pro style type of body that you have uh, that you have on the roster. If Johnny Wilson has a bad game, uh, you're, you're buying insurance policy for that. And you're just taking insurance out on Jordan Travis being like, you're giving him another, another weapon. You're giving him another tool in this toolbox. And uh, of all, of all, maybe it's just because it's may and this is, (laughs) at the moment but of all their additions in the transfer portal i think this one has made me the most excited and maybe it's because we already see what the big picture is and yeah. the final piece to it but like this this has made me recap this singular addition has made me made me recalibrate what this team can be more than than any other they've had this offseason other than retaining some of their guys and this is yeah i can't understate how significant of an addition keon coleman is yeah i think in the modern game you're seeing more and more that wide receivers win championships mm-hmm. wide receivers make the quarterback's life easy right cooper cup at in los angeles was so open that a blind man could throw it to him half the time 
and it makes your life just so much easier as a quarterback. You see, um, I mean, you see it all over the place, you know? So th- these, these wide receivers are becoming more and more valued in the, in the modern game because separation is what makes the passing game work. And, um, yeah, that's one of the, that's one of the drawbacks of the air raid is that they don't really value the wide receiver position, but like, I think you're seeing more and more often that these wide receivers are getting separation and that gets yards and that wins ball games. And so, um, I I don't want to forget Jaheim Bell as well. I think he's also kind of a wide receiver in this group. Um, but those three together. So, so here's the question. Um, I, I actually have a couple questions. Is this the, the best wide receiver group in the country? No, mm, no Ohio State. <laughs> it's funny. There, so Ohio State is, is probably the clear, not probably, Ohio State is the clear one, mm-hmm. and, yep. uh, and deservedly so. Uh, Washington and Texas have really good wide receiver mm-hmm. cores too. And, and it's funny, it's like these, I think FSU enters that tier knocking on the door with, with say, a Texas and, and a Washington where you have multiple like uh, day one or, or day two type of wide receivers. So I think you put yourself in the top 10 to, to maybe top five. Uh, and maybe uh, even in the top five of that conversation. I, I think if Winston Wright was 100% and he was the Winston Wright from his time at West Virginia, or we knew that he was going to be that for sure, I, I think you put it in the top five pretty easily. Um, yeah. Not knowing necessarily what he's going to 100% be. I, I still, and I loved Kentron Spring. I still don't know if you're going to be, if he's going to be a reliable piece for you this year. Like, We've seen the ups and downs with him, but he's still a really young football player in the same breath. But I don't know. I don't know if beyond these two, they have a guy that they can say that they can plant their flag and say that they're going to be able to depend on. There's a lot of praise out there for Van Dravius Jacobs. He's a true freshman. Like it's a hell of a lot to ask for for that young man to go out there and make a big impact um, and be a consistent performer this year. Ikeem Williams is a player who's going to be developing a lot. Uh, in his freshman season, looking to become a star in his sophomore year uh, in 2024. I mean, Tron was kind of that 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 guy that you're banking on to take that next step. We'll see if he does. If he does, then, yeah, I mean, I think you start having those conversations about where they are in the pantheon of, uh, of college-wide receiver cores. But, I mean, I think right now it's really good building these two, and then we're going to see what the hell you get out of the rest of them. So I I do I do agree with you guys. I I think they're in that like number two group you can make with uh Washington, Texas, maybe LSU, you could put in that conversation. Um if I consider Jaheim Bell a wide receiver, I think they, they kind of go into that group. Um so the next question is what is the weakness of this offense and where does it set the floor of the offense? So like I mean, I think the offensive line is still mm-hmm. weakness. Now it's not yeah. weakness that it's been in past years, and I think it would maybe be a strength on some teams in the ACC, which is <laughs> really, really shows how far this is, has come if, if that uh, ends up coming to fruition. But uh, I think you know some of those early season games that you guys have alluded to, uh, Clemson and LSU specifically, like you're going to see just how how far that offensive line is has come. So, and then if you make the playoffs, like. Uh, yeah, I don't know if this offensive line is ready to handle a, a, a Georgia or Alabama. Probably not. But that, that's the one that I think your skill, talent, you can match up with pretty much anyone in the country and feel like, okay, we're top 10, mm-hmm. top five. I think quarterback, yes. I don't think quarterback. I know quarterback. Top 10, top five, maybe top one. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but I don't know. Caleb <laughs> Williams pretty freaking good. <laughs> Give me J. Trav Hive all day. Uh, but seriously, like J. Trav is a, a top five quarterback. In mm-hmm. his- coming back this year should be looked at that way so offensive line maybe what a top 25 top 35 unit like so that's where your weakness is i think Kev. yeah it still feels tbd to me yeah yeah so where does so i i mean i completely agree i think i'm still a little bit worried that marie smith is hasn't been passed up um i know he he probably looks better than he did last year but you're you still have some interior guys that i don't know will be able to get push against. Yeah, there you go. The center, the weaknesses of the center and snapping the ball is important. I, 
I think I, I think the offensive line's got a really good floor. I just yes. don't know if it's ready to be a strength. Yeah, I just, ready, and ready to go win you a football game. I still just don't know if they're there yet. I still think that it's going to be really good. It's going to be much improved again over last year. I just don't know if when you need it, can it can it win you a game? And, and it, very well, it very well could. I think it would be like we know what Jordan Travis is. We have a pretty yeah. damn good idea of what Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman will be together. Right. Uh, we know what Trey Benson's expectations should be this season. Then you anticipate him building on it too. Yeah, the offensive line's the the, the question mark, Kev. When, sure. when, yeah. when, you, when you got there last year – um, and you got in that stretch of those three games. Wake Forest, you lost. And look, some of it was due to injuries. You put, you, you put a Darius Washington out there who just wasn't ready yet uh, physically. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Turntine was giving you everything you got. It just, you know, it was limited uh, in some capacity. Um, you know, Wake Forest, you, you lost that game kind of because your offensive line. Um, yeah. And then there was some, some stuff in the second half where the defense didn't get the job done. Mm-hmm. You think of the critical moments of Clemson. Uh, Rob Scott just gets whipped by a really good edge player. But a, a play in this time of his career where you just need him to kind of make those plays and make those blocks, um, you know, and, and then you get, a, you get a strip sack and they go down and score and kind of they kind of put the game away on you real quickly in, the, in the, that eight-minute stretch, the old middle eight. Um, NC State, it was another game where the offensive line just kind of couldn't handle it, and they were bringing three a lot of the game. Um, yep. So it just – when pushes come to shove, they still just haven't gotten to the point yet as an offensive line, and I think it's going to be better this year where you can say, I can count on them game in, game out to go win me a football game. Um, and I think they've worked really hard to get there, bringing in a Byers, a Roddick, uh, a Keandre Jones. They brought in big dudes for a reason. Um, yep. I'm just going to – that's where my hat is for let's see what happens. Yeah, I think I think when and if you face that team, and I think there's only three of them in the country mm-hmm. that can shut that that can limit Keon Coleman, Jaheim Bell, and Johnny Wilson all at the same time. Will you be able to push them around? Can you can you trust your offensive line to get pushed against Georgia when they when they lock down your receivers, yeah, I, I don't think you're quite there yet. Um, to be honest, on the offensive line, and I think that's the difference between me saying that this is this is a playoff team, and this is a team that I think could beat Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're also on a different level, and I think that's I, I think the fact that we're talking about this right now is kind of insane. Yeah, it's so. exciting. Um, if, if before Keon Coleman arrived, before you secured this one. If let's say you made it, you won, you went 11 and one, and then you beat Clemson in the ACC championship and made a playoff berth. And you one versus four, you're going against Georgia before Keon Coleman. What would you say? How many, if you played Georgia 10 times, how many times could Florida State win that? One to two? I would say zero. Yeah, I don't think you would beat Georgia. You, you think that, that they couldn't win one time out of 10. Okay. So, so now you add Keon Coleman to the mix. Where does that, where does that? extend to does it buy you a game or two now in your mind yeah, i think two to three is yeah. not crazy to say so i think you're but, kind of in that like ohio state last year where you mm-hmm. you have some holes on defense yeah. but your offense is borderline elite um and can kind of keep you in a game against georgia and put you in a position where you can steal one every few times so you'd have a puncher's chance if your offense was yeah so that's that's what we're talking about here and like that's why this is exciting is because yeah. you've, you've you've raised the floor of, of, or excuse me, you've raised the ceiling of, of what you can be. Well, I, I think that the, what's important, and we've spent the last 10 minutes talking about the offensive line, mostly me rambling on. Um, in games now against LSU, against Clemson, against the Georgia, those teams are going to, are likely going to show you a six-man box at times. Yep. And when they show you a six-man box, the the really the the difference in these games are going to be can you win against those six men can you put your six against their six or your seven against their six and go win the football game and that's really that's really kind of where it's going to be at um and i think that that will be the difference in those football games for this offense uh because i mean let's be honest i 
people keep asking about the defense and they want us to talk about the defense and everybody wants to know, is Adam Fuller going to get his, get it, get it together with the defense this year? <laughs> this game, this team is going to live and die by this offense. Um, yeah. That's, that's what a Mike Norvell teams are always going to be. They're going to win or lose based on their offense. Um, so he, he wants Adam Fuller to make three stops in a game. He doesn't yeah. want to d- Adam Fuller to have it necessarily design his defense to be the number mm-hmm. one defense in the country. He's going to yeah. outscore you. Yep. We, we saw it at Memphis. We've seen it everywhere he's been. I mean, he wants to outscore you, get enough stops and force field goals in the red zone to, to, to go win football games. I mean, that's just, I believe if you asked him, you gave him the truth serum, he would tell you that that's, I mean, you saw it last week. That's what he wants from his defense. They, Best case. they could have, they could have gone all out and got Jalen key and made, made, made it very interesting for him to come here, but instead they divested resources in another offensive weapon. Like I'm not saying they would have definitely gotten key, but like, they put more resources in a position group they didn't need to make the offense go from great to elite than they did to put it to shore up a potential hole on defense. So you see kind of just in that little move, there's a subconscious like Adam Fuller isn't going to get the resource. No defensive coordinator while Norvell is here is going to get the amount of resources that the offense is going to get just like an offensive coordinator at UGA isn't going to get the resources that the defense is going to get. It's just not the priority of the the head coach. I also think there's something Kev with that in mind. I think there's something to that, but like there's also like a, a dynamic of positional value too, mm-hmm. right? Like, and, and yeah. you're talking about again, potential NFL day two ish traffic yeah. at wide yeah. receiver what on defense would have been available, like even remotely close to that level of <laughs> right. value. Yeah. Yeah. It would have to be an elite yeah. defensive end. Defensive were talking end or an elite cornerback or a Derwin James ish safety, which yeah, is not yeah. showing up in the transfer portal. So yeah. uh, this was an opportunity to, that, that was too good. That presented itself. That was too good to pass up. I think that was part of what we're looking at too. And also like I've, I've talked about a lot, strengthening strengths. Like I love the idea of, yeah. of again, that insurance policy on offense. Key, key was a floor raiser. Coleman yeah. was a ceiling raiser. And in a year, you're all in. You go get the ceiling raiser. You can get a third safety. Like I know people yeah. are, are really wringing their hands about it. And like, is it ringing your hands? Yeah, that sounds sure. good to me. We're doing this. We're not an English podcast. We're a... it is the it is the third safety. <laughs> and while it's important and it's your biggest need, it is the third safety. Mm-hmm. Yep. Listen yeah. to what I'm saying for the people who are, are focus hyper focusing on this. It is the third safety. Not, if you no, need to find a third body, you can find one, and they probably will. I believe they have one more scholarship left. Whether it's in a week from now, whether it's in a month from now, they will probably be able to find a third mm-hmm. safety. Or if they go through the offseason and they, they don't, and they determine that this there isn't someone who's going to help them, they can probably convince a cornerback on the roster to play safety yeah. some here in the season. Agreed. All right. Before we get out of here, because we're at 52 minutes and 200 people are in here watching us talk thank Florida you. State football amazingly. Thank, yes, thank you so much. We love all of our subscribers. You guys always show up. It is much, much appreciated. Brendan, before we started, you said you had a question. Have you asked that question to us yet? I think you guys have answered the question uh, that I have not asked. and I, I want to hear it anyway. So Johnny Wilson is the nine in, in this yep. offense, this scheme, right? He is, he is the on-ball wide receiver. The mm-hmm. two typically is what Pokey Wilson was. It's a guy you're going to move around who's a bit of a vertical threat. You can you can move him pre-play. Uh, we assume that Keon Coleman in, oh, is going to play that, right? Like, and he is going to – I know he doesn't fit the prototype, but he's so good that you're going to find a way to make it work with those two on the field at the same time. Is that is that fair? Yeah, yes. I would, yes. I would argue – now that you're asking this question, that we will see more double wing formations from them this year. What does what does that look like? All right. So, if you put again, this being all about balance. No, yeah, you can put him down there. Put he, put him he, out wide. Put him out. He's a Libra. Put him out wide. There you go. Put another on the ball receiver out wide. Yeah. Put him in the wing there. Put your put your inline tight end off the ball as a wing. Put that one on the ball. There you go. Okay. I would argue you're going to see a lot of 12 personnel with that look right there because now you can run counter tray either way. 
You can run your run game either way. You can run four verticals off of this set. Mm-hmm. You can work your RPO game both ways. I just think that this is an extremely balanced look for an offense with two. Because I'm a, I'm going to assume that more it would be Morlock and Jaheim Bell uh, in there uh, with two wide receiver bodies at tight end. Um, and and they did do this against mm-hmm. they they started doing this with success against Clemson consistently. Yep. And I think Mike Norvell realized something about this program and and that loss, and that's yep. that they could line up in something like this AB and run out a good defense and have a. A, a decent level of success and they they kept going to uh this type of of balanced look with two tight yeah. ends throughout the the rest of the season with a lot of success and here but, and here's why keon coleman is, is vitally important because i think without keon coleman in there teams would be able to put a safety into the box and stop you because bell and morlock are not going to be great blockers yeah they won't they're going to be adequate at best Bell especially will see on Morlock because um, this guy can take away John Bell. I don't still think that that's Jaheim's game. I think he's an elite athlete and going to be a great receiver, but he's going to be an adequate at best blocker. Um, if I'm talking out of turn, you know, then somebody correct me. But so far, the film isn't out there of him being a great blocker. Um, I hope he proves me wrong this year. But you're not going to be able to put a safety in the box against this look now with Bell, Morlock, Coleman, and um, Johnny Wilson running four verts at you because the safety is not going to win that battle in the middle of the field. Right. What what I was saying is you could put your number two corner on Johnny Wilson and just bracket him by cheating the safety over and have your lockdown corner on a number two receiver. Now now you can't do that because these are both number one guys. Um, Yeah. Another interesting thing to watch out for is they went towards this when they couldn't get a running game going against Florida. Mm-hmm. They went to the stack look. Um, so this might be interesting. This really forces the defense to kind of, you know, to to give to give their hand right. So like, I mean, you have to kind of two v two at least on these guys mm-hmm. out wide. Yeah, especially with the size. Yeah. But like, I mean, now you have Jaheim Bell and Kyle Morlock getting to block one on one, and then a safety has to come down and tackle, you know, Keon Coleman or um, Johnny Wilson in space. Like, this is a nightmare to have to defend. And or you, Kev, flip it, and you let and you let Jaheim Bell get the ball and run out mm-hmm. of the game. You played running back last yeah. year, or you yeah. can take him and put him in the backfield as a two running backs at all the stuff. Like if you wanted to go tempo, like this is the dream big part of, of this yeah. that is legitimately exciting. And these, and these are the areas where Nor- Mike Norvell and, and Alex Atkins are going to make their money this year of not overthinking it. Like it's, it would be really easy to get on the chalkboard and draw up seven thousand plays that you can run this year with this with this uh, this skill set uh, and these skill position players. What's going to be important is they keep their core philosophies and and keep it simple and run their offense with these guys and fi- just keep finding ways to uh, attack a defense with their playmakers. Um, so I mean it's a, it's an offense built for playmakers. They've got a shitload of them. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you can kind of look back. I don't know if I have time to pull this up, but you can look back on Memphis. What FSU is to the entire country this year is what Memphis was to the AAC in 2019. Mm -hmm. They were just overloaded with offensive talent uh, that that other teams couldn't touch. And if you look back on that season, what did they do? They gave screen passes to their skill players. They threw the ball downfield to their skill players and they ran a lot of counter and outside zone. Like they did those three things and they just let their players play in space and that's what they're going to do. And I don't think they're going to change anything up. I mean, that's how they've done it every year and you're going to see a lot of screens. You're going to see a lot of goes and you're going to see a lot of runs. Yep. And I think on that note, you're going to see a lot more of us this the, the rest of this summer coming up. Uh, we're almost to June already. It's hard to believe. 
we're like what three months out till spring ball start or till summer ball starts fall camp will be here it's coming up we're like 100 yeah. days away from football yeah. season yeah starting. it's gonna be it's gonna be here before we know it we're gonna try to continue to put out some great stuff here and obviously you know it knows 24 7 there will be straight fire content all the time because <laughs> that not so subtly gray-haired gentleman down there in the bottom box is always typing uh yeah show the beard don't worry i got it too it's in there yours so, looks a little bit more gray since the last time i've hopped on here no, it's only been a couple months listen, it's just man, growing out yeah we're driving driving four hours to get a dog tomorrow that's why i'm that's why it's getting gray so for myself the assistant to the traveling inline coach kev the film guy brendan the he's fueled by chattanooga chattanooga whiskey at all times shout they're out. not our sponsor but we're going to shout them out anyway because hey go drink some we're going to get out of here we hope everybody learned a little something tonight had fun talking about the florida state offense um i think what trey would say keep chopping okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.